This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Welcome back to Australia as we look back on the ATP Cup and ahead to the first Grand Slam of the year, the Australian Open. I'm Peter Mercado and it's great to be with you on the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Now, I've come from Brisbane. I'm now looking out across Melbourne Park, but I've decided I needed to do this podcast on location. So in the background as we're doing this, you will hear the sound of a coffee machine. Mm. And that is probably appropriate because uh, I've got my chocolate milk here. And I can finally say, after all these years, I am having coffee with Cation. Yeah. My Cation is here. Great to see you, Mike. It's good to see you as well. Yeah, I mean, Melbourne, the coffee scene here is vibrant. <laughs> We've got some Lavazza coffee in front of me. I went with the flat white, one sugar, almond milk. Um, I think that's Robbie Koenig approved, um, <laughs> I, I think. Um, but I, I, that's, aside from the tennis, that's my favorite part of coming to Melbourne every year, is the just going to different coffee shops every day. Well, I think it's it's nice that you do that, but obviously we've been talking about your podcast too. So just give us a, a rundown of your podcast because we'll talk about it a little bit at the end as well. You're working with Noah Rubin, that's right, putting together this podcast because it started off as Coffee with Cation, right? Which is how I refer to you on air <laughs> these days to cross pollinate this podcast. But tell us exactly what the name it is and where we can find it. Yeah, it's called the Coffee Cast with Cation and Rubin, powered by Behind the Racket. Um, and yeah, so myself and, and Noah Rubin, a young American player, Wimbledon Junior Champion back in 2015, um, we talk a lot about the, the Challenger Tour, um, some of the ideas uh, we might have that are a little bit different about Challenger Tour, and also try to introduce um, the players who compete at that level. Um, uh, behind the racket, what Noah's done in terms of the Instagram page, his website, um, introducing players to the world in a completely different light. We try to do that in more podcast form, so we get to interview some of the players a little bit deeper. Um, we recently had Madison Keys on, um, the great WTA star, just talking about her vantage point. We also had her boyfriend, Bjorn Fratangelo, who does play a lot at the challenger level. Um, so we try to make sure that we, we introduce players a, a little bit deeper, uh, some different topics. Um, but yeah, it's available iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. We're part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network as well. So after you've listened to this ATP Tennis Radio podcast, get over to that one. Yeah, it's. Um, I think Noah is, is an interesting man as well, being from New York. Yep. Uh, obviously, this is a very international uh, podcast that we're recording as well, but New York it's very opinionated, yes, um, and and Noah fits that very well. Well, we'll look forward. We're maybe hearing him on ATP Tennis Radio across the year as well. I I'm hope sure so. You would have opinions on the ATP Cup. Serbia yes. winning uh, over Spain. Australia doing pretty well as well. Mm -hmm. We had good crowds across Perth, Amazing. Sydney, and Brisbane. So yeah. I've been up in Brisbane taking a look at it, uh, and obviously seeing the pitches coming in from Sydney as well. Novak Djokovic carrying Serbia to victory. Yeah. What did you make of the whole thing? I think it's. It was a fascinating look at the team competition idea versus the individual, wasn't it? That's the lasting image for me. Uh, the idea that these players competed at the beginning of their year, right before one of the slams, at the highest level, because they were playing for their country and playing for something more than just themselves. Um, and, and I think that's the takeaway for me. 
is just how hard these players were competing, the emotions of some of the players in both positive and negative ways, Peter. Um, th that, that week just, it got a little bit... How many records was smashed, do you right? think? <laughs> um, but I, I think that shows how much these, these players love competing for their country, competing in a different way. Uh, the fans responded incredibly well. Um, turnout was 220,319. Um, on, on top of it, what, what the ATP Cup did in, in terms of helping with the, the wildfire relief here in Australia, ATP's donating. Well, the, ace, the aces for the bushfire campaign. So 1,322 aces, mm. the ATP Cup raising 132,200 Australian dollars. On top of everything else, because Tennis Australia is putting in, you know, we've got all these appeals going on. You mentioned wildfire, we call it bushfire over here, and sure. you can see the remnants we're looking out over the skyline of melbourne where we are here at uh, melbourne park and it's hazy yeah the smoke's coming in unfortunately so you know that, and that donation from the uh, the atp goes to the wwf australian wildlife and recovery fund which is fantastic too so you know that's a great cause and yes. yeah the players got behind it but yeah I, I agree i think that the players really got into the concept it was an opportunity, I mean, talk about pros and cons with this. Mm -hmm. It was an opportunity for those players who haven't played at this level before to play. Yes. And some of them put in some really good results over the week and build their confidence. And what you hope out of that is that they're able to take that to the ITF level for sure. a lot of them rather than the ATP Challenger level and start to make that rise up the rankings and sort of keep an eye on some of these players. So many players I've talked to at the Challenger level over the years they can point to one particular tournament where they played at a higher level, whether it be a Grand Slam. Marcos Giron, who's in the main draw this year of the yep. Australian Open, pointed to a match he had against Juan Martin Del Potro. His first ever ATP tournament was in Los Cabos, Mexico. And he said, I had one, the, the only goal I had was to have one point where I traded forehands with Del Potro. And he did. Mm. And he just suddenly took from that I can play at the next level. He had a fantastic 2019 campaign, now in a main draw of a Grand Slam on his own ranking for the first time. So I think you're exactly right when you say that, Peter. You never know if you're going to have that one moment in that one tournament that completely changes your career. And I, I think there are several examples from the ATP Cup that it really could be that in 2020. Yeah, I think we had uh, some cracking matches as well. Yes. Obviously, the final, we had Nadal versus Djokovic. Djokovic continuing his dominance over Nadal on yeah. hard courts. We've had so many across the way. The Aussie Great Britain tie. Yes. Uh, the oh, work of goodness. Alex Dimonor. Not trying to be too uh, sort of <laughs> patriotic here, but or biased. But well, his match against Nadal as well was fantastic yeah. until the third set. Yeah, but we've seen some some cracking matches yes. uh, along the way and that's added to the excitement that the profiling of doubles too yes i think has been good and, and sort of the mixture of getting them into the three different cities as opposed to being clustered in one spot we had the new uh, ken rosewell arena in sydney had the canopy over the top so uh, that was good to to open that off and yeah i think there are a lot of positives to it in terms of changes and things looking at it on the ground mm. the only thing i guess is probably tie length for me mm. and some of the ties just went on and on and on and there were sort of flow and effect because if it was a day tie that went long, it flowed into the night time and then that pushed it late. And sort of sure. 1, 2 a.m. in the morning, you know, I'm, only my opinion, the 1, 2 a.m. sort of you finishes... You are both old as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's hard for us to stay up past 9 p.m. <laughs> That's why you have so much coffee. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I have a small child as well, so I, you have to... You've got the double whammy, mainline mate. It. I, I think that's exactly right, and I, I think that's something that can be worked on um, in terms of finding the, the format. I, what we've seen a, a lot um, from players in, in terms of the negative is the fact that it's a 19th countable tournament. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking at that too, 
Yeah, I think that's going to that's gonna be the one. I, uh, John Millman, uh, who did play for Australia in the ATP Cup, he's actually been a, a vocal proponent uh, against that. Um, finding a way to make sure that it counts for points, um, but doesn't necessarily uh, count additional for the players who are lucky enough to be selected. You've got countries who are not going to be able to have players who are, who are competing in the ATP Cup. So how do you find a way to make that equal for everyone, I think is the big question that I'm going to have moving forward. Yep. Um, the fact that it's... It, it, it has so many points available to it at a prestigious event like it is. But how do you make that balance so that everyone has that same level of opportunity um, and it's not it doesn't feel unequal to some players? Yeah, and that's a tricky part. And, yes, and if you're ranked 800 in the world and there's a guy who's ranked in the top 100 who can't play the event, that's where it becomes a little yes. bit tricky. But they'll tinker with it. I think they I will. I think the overall concept of it was good. It's just uh, sometimes, you know... You work out the kinks after... You've got to run it once to be able to I work out the kinks agree. in it anyway. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk about it uh, being at the top of the year. And uh, let's see how it, it changes or advances or moves on for next year. But there was another tournament yes, that went on in Doha. So, Stan Vavrinka was the top seed. Corentin Moutet mm. having a really good run. <laughs> Unseeded plays to the final and then falls to Andre Rublev. And it's yes. great to see Andre Rublev picking up a title here, 6-2-7-6. Mimi Ketsmanovic was another player who made it through to the semifinals. Yes. A little lot of next-gen flavour here amongst these uh, qualified players. Uh, I, I'm so thrilled for Andre Rublev. I actually interviewed him for ATP Tennis Radio in Cincinnati this past August. Uh, the changes he went through uh, in his 2020, or excuse me, 2019 campaign to get back from injury, feel healthy, feel strong. Uh, his strength and conditioning program was a, a big turning point for him. And to see him have that level of success. Quentin Moutet is a fascinating French player with a lot of emotion. We talked about the emotion of the ATP Cup. He can have a lot of it uh, oh, at yes. times. Yep. Um, he's, he's a fun one to watch, a fun little lefty. And I think he's going to be fun to watch for several years to come. And, and yeah, you mentioned it, Ketsmanovic. I have uh, utmost respect for him. And he has been talented for, for several years. And for his, him to do it at this highest level time and time again, I think is really going to happen in 2020. Yeah, well, we'll talk about some of the other tournaments on the ATP Tour this week because there's a couple of them in the lead up to the Australian Open. Obviously, Australian Open qualifying yes. too. But uh, how's your coffee going over there? Uh, it, it's so good. I mean, you're almost through. I might have to get you another one. I think I'm okay. Okay. I don't want to uh, listen. We've we're, we're recording this uh, as we prepare for Quali's broadcasting <laughs> that we have to do over the next couple of days. I don't want to like keep myself up too late. I want to make sure I get adequate sleep to deal with you over the next couple of days. <laughs> That's the real task for me. Um, Funny how many people say that too, just by the way. Well, I'll leave you to the coffee for a moment because there's been obviously plenty of changes with the new ATP Cup coming in and then plenty of changes both on and off the court as ATP Uncovered's Gabriel Clark explains. The new year has also brought a new face at the head of the ATP. Former player and businessman Andrea Gaudenzi. The Italian retired in 2003 after reaching world number 18 and winning three ATP Tour titles. Now he's eager to give back to the game that's been such a part of his life. And he gets it. I started playing tennis when I was three years old and played professionally up until I was 30. Then moved into different business uh, roles and it means a lot to me. It means giving back to the sport and being able to bring back to tennis what I've learned in the years, both as a player and as a businessman. So I'm really honored and excited. There's something about sport that taught me the 
basic rule of how working hard to achieve an objective, you know, having the discipline to work day in and day out, appreciating the sacrifice, the, the happiness and the joy of actually reaching that objective. And I try to apply that also in business and it's definitely a good school. Andrea understands the player's perspective and also the commercial need for innovation, like the next-gen ATP Finals. Yannick Sinner, a winner on home soil. And along with that tournament in Milan, a rejuvenation of the men's game in Italy is an exciting prospect. It's a great time. Yannick is an incredible player, but with both Fabio and Berrettini, I mean, we have now someone here in the Masters and then Fabio's ranked 12 in the world and we've got one of the most promising players on the tour. So it, it's amazing to tell you really why, I don't really know, it's difficult. Sometimes it goes in cycles and it's a combination of different things. Italy will become a significant staging post in the tennis calendar. Last year, it was confirmed that the NITO ATP Finals will be moving to a new home in Turin. I'm very excited about that as an Italian, but in general I think it's, it's a great opportunity to move to a different city and, and give the opportunity to a different country to actually host this event. It is the pinnacle of the Tour, obviously, the top eight players competing in the final week of the year. So the stadium will be great and also, you know, if we get lucky, we may have a couple of Italian players actually competing in the finals. So the combination of those things actually can be quite exciting. And 2020 has already ushered in change with the ATP Cup, a team event featuring the game's very best players. As a player, I love to play team event. You know, tennis is a pretty lonely sport. You travel all year round on yourself, you're on your own in a hotel room and you've got your team, but you basically it's yourself against everyone. So playing in a team a couple of weeks a year, it gives you that sense of, of you know, of, of team play, you know, and, and, and playing for your country is also something great. So I think it's going to be a great event. It's an exciting time in men's tennis. The amazing longevity of the legends is set to be tested by new stars. Andrea Gaudenzi is keen to guide this next chapter of the ATP Tour with his unique mix of experience, expertise and innovation. We are in the entertainment business. In the end, we need both players and tournaments for the growth of the sport. I think we need the Grand Slams as well as the other governing bodies, ITF and WTA, because we are one sport. And for the end consumer, for the fan, we are seen as one sport. And I think the end product is actually the game of tennis. We are in a, in a very good place. We just need to fine tune and improve a few things and work closer with the other governing bodies and the other tournaments. Tennis is a great entertaining product. So eventually the events and the sport will create new stars. I played in the year of Sampras and Agassi in the 90s and before that was Becker, Edberg and those guys. And when I quit, I said to myself, no way ever will win more than Sampras did. And it's going to be very difficult to match a rivalry like between Sampras and Agassi. And both of, the, both of these assumptions were actually <laughs> Past, because now we have Djokovic, Federer and Nadal competing for these lands. So who knows what happens in the future and you know, maybe greater things actually are, are expecting us. 
So a bit of change at the top, Andrea Gaudenzi. It's good to see the Ita Italian tennis is just Amazing. firing. Obviously, talked about that and, and how well Italian tennis is going. Yeah. The volume of tournaments, they're going to have the end of year, the NITO ATP finals, mm -hmm. not this year, but next year. They've got the next gen. They've got so many tournaments played through Italy, both yes. at the, the top level ATP and also at challenger level too. And the results are showing. We're seeing these young players come in. I mean, how great was it, Yannick Sinner? That He's huge run amazing. at the next gen. Uh, I mean, I, I got to see him last year at the challenger level in the summer. I actually interviewed him in Cincinnati as well for ATP Tennis Radio. He's a fascinating story coming over from a, a being a, a skier yes. at the junior level. Um, between him, Bertini, obviously Fonini, who's been doing it for several years, there's a lot of talent there. A, a lot of them are crediting uh, Flavio Panetta um, for kind of the turnaround over the last couple of years and getting the, the interest back at, at the tennis um, in, in Italy. But yeah, I, I think what Andrea Gadenzi is going to deal with here on the political level. Yes. That's going to be the real question, isn't it? Well, the idea of, in his eyes, sort of seeing it as, as one complete tour, there's no delineation for fans of, oh, this is a Grand Slam, that's mm. an ATP, this is a WTA, this is an ITF, that sort of thing. I mean, that's a positive step. And I think, you know, you always have, whenever someone new comes into a big role like this, they're going to put their stamp on it. And yes. I think the signs from what we heard in that package right. are going to be quite positive. And in playing that political game, because we know from time to time how political it can be, if you've got someone who's trying to bring everyone together, that can only be good for the sport. I completely agree. And I, I think just the idea of being open to it is the biggest thing. Um, the sport is so territorial. Yep. In terms of, as you mentioned, so many different entities wanting to protect its, their players, protect their tournaments. How do we do that so it's equitable uh, to everyone? Um, I don't know how many conversations you have, Peter, with people who are outside of the sport. Um, it can be very complex to explain some of the, the rule differences between yeah. different organizations. I, I love what he said, though, in, in terms of wanting to make sure that the fans just have a, a very, I, I keep using the word, equitable idea of what to expect from tournament to tournament. And I, I think that's going to be a real question for him, along with some of the issues facing, uh, facing the ATP uh, as well. Well, one of the things, I guess, uh, that we had with Chris Commode, who did a good job, and, and credit to him too for the ATP Cup Absolutely. concept and pushing it through. And we spoke to him at the uh, O2 uh, last year as a part of our coverage in London and talking about some of the, the politics that comes when that person, the CEO or the chairman, combined role there, now it's separated out, has to make that casting vote. And you've got so yes. many different factors in it. Obviously, you know, it's our opinion on this. That's, right. That, to me, is the trickiest part juggling within the ATP all the different sort of key stakeholders and making sure everyone works together. That's the biggest issue. Uh, I think you hit on it. You have to make sure that the tournaments are taken care of. You have to make sure that the players are taken care of. You have to make sure that the sponsors are taken care of. And yes, as you mentioned, these are our opinions here, but I, I think that's the trickiest task at this point. Um, I know in, in the podcast you were nice enough to mention that's that's been one of the issues I, I have is how do we make sure that the players are represented a little bit separated from the the, the tournaments themselves do we you know there's there's always been talk of that unionization of of atp's players the wta's players as well is that the route that they're going to go as players um so i, I think andrea is going to have a very difficult task trying to manage all of those entities over the next couple of years in a way that makes sure that all three parties if you will if you include those three that i just mentioned if that they're all happy yeah that's a difficult task
It is, it is, but we'll see how it goes. And we'll be yep. catching up with Andrea on ATB Tennis Radio throughout the year and uh, having some really good conversations. He's got some really good views. And I think, you know, the former player coming mm. in and being the CEO with the business experience he's got is only can only be a positive I thing. I completely agree. Now, one of the other things that you do, now you're, you're going to be reporting for us throughout the yes. year on ATB Tennis Radio. Right. And hopefully we'll get you over to doing some commentary on ATB Tennis Radio so. as well, just expanding the empire you are. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here on the ground floor. But um, you do a lot of magnificent work fantastic work uh, on the ATP Challenger Tour thank you uh, looking at it overall yeah. I mean you do a lot in the States in terms of covering the events there so you've got a good handle on it we don't get a lot of chance on ATP Tennis Radio to talk about challenges and where they fit in yeah. one of the byproducts first off with the ATP Cup was we had a couple of events challenger events uh, that are held in the previous week right. uh, we were to have a tournament in Canberra that got moved to Bendigo right. some of these fields have been outstanding for challenger yes. level Numea and Bendigo last week had some of the best, um, in, in terms of just top to bottom, best talent I've seen at the challenger level. Um, a lot more players are just buying into the concept of this is not a lower level. It's just another tournament. It's yep. another opportunity. Um, the, the fact that you're going to get great preparation for a slam like this at the Australian Open, the fact that you're going to make a little bit more money. Um, the ATP, what they've done in terms of providing housing now over the last two years, providing housing for the challenger players, three nights guaranteed last year. This year it's five nights guaranteed housing. It makes a huge difference for the players in terms of making it more sustainable for more players. Um, and so I think that's been a, a really uh, huge development for the the challenger level players it's a tough question to ask you mm -hmm. right at the very start of a season but what are you sort of if we were doing time capsule sort of stuff for the challenger tour in terms of getting your thoughts on on how you think things are going to play out are there any particular players that you've put on your watch list out of 2019 that have entered just made their way onto the challenger tour that you think going to make a breakthrough Challenger Tour first and then onto the main ATP Tour? Well, let me just say that I, I think the one American that is is right there for me uh, won a title yesterday, uh, JJ Wolf. Yep. Um, I think he has a real opportunity to be a, a big superstar um, pretty quickly. He's one of those guys that, um, I, I don't know if you recognize this reference from back in the late 80s, early 90s of golf, John Daly. Yes. Uh, grip it and rip it. <laughs> Um, and that's that is JJ Wolf. There's there's not a lot of uh, intense like <laughs> complexity of what he does. It's yeah. very much I'm gonna go beat you off the court. Um, I, I think Maxime Cressy is another young American. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna be talking about most of the American. That's most okay. of it's, that that's I, stuff okay. I do that that's at the, what you do. the USTA level. Um, Maxime Cressy is a very intriguing prospect. A, a guy who is um, a, a servant volley entirely. Um, can he increase his uh, capability to do a little bit more on slower courts? Um, Rusevori, who I, I don't know him too well. He hasn't played too many uh, tournaments here in the States. I think he's fascinating. I think he's going to be really good at a very young age. Um, so I think that's the one. I, I'm not you know, saying too much. There have been a lot of people who have been saying he's going to be coming uh, pretty quickly. The list goes on. There's the, what's fun about the challenger level is I, I don't think anybody was talking in last January. Nobody was talking about Yannick Sinner. Yeah, no one. No, I was talking to him about him until the next year. Right, and then all of a sudden he's just he's right there um, through the middle of, of the year, and he's just like, oh, my gosh, he can be top 150. Mm. Oh, my goodness, he's going to be in main draw of the Australian Open. He's, he's a fascinating guy, and that's what's so beautiful about the challenger level. You just never know if you're going to see that next massive star just playing at your local courts. Can I ask one question, though, yeah. which is important to us on ATP Tennis Radio? Sure. When you go back to Charlottesville this year, can you make sure there is no – incidents because oh, you seem to be 
the common denominator. Actually, there's a couple. <laughs> Darren King seems to be the common denominator. Oh goodness, yeah. But you there as well. Yeah, if you weren't watching, uh, uh, gosh, Michael Moe got upset, threw a racket, it hit a lines person. Um, he was immediately disqualified. Um, it, the, the lines person was fine. He got a bruise on his shin. Um, but immediate disqualification for Michael Moe. He was playing Darian King, who had the same type of a thing happen to him. I believe it was 2015 a, a, on the same court in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, what, was, what was really interesting to me, though, Michael Moe was heartbroken about what he'd done. Of course. It was inexcusable. Yes. He's the first person to admit it. The next week, he came to Knoxville, Tennessee, and won that challenger. Yeah. His mom actually convinced him to play because he was, he was just like, I'm done. I've had a terrible year. I have battled through injuries for six months. Now I've injured somebody on a tennis court. His mom said, this is what makes you stronger. This is what makes you a, a better human being. And he came out the next week won the tournament and he's won a wild card into the Australian Open which is good yeah and uh yeah we just don't want it to happen again in Charlottesville no I know the iconic it's... commentary of it's happened again in Charlottesville that's you know that's <laughs> the thing about my career uh in that I've been in, involved in some very unique yes. situations over yes. the years at the challenger level obviously the one people always asking about is Francis Tiafo yes the yes yes well we know that one yes, court side. yes. Uh, uh, that's the one that's going to stick with that's what I'm going to be remember when I die <laughs> and they write my obituary it's happened to get in Charlottesville. <laughs> That's exactly at the top of the list. <laughs> this guy commentated on some of the weirdest moments ever in the sport of tennis. Hey, it is interesting. You talk about Michael Moe's mother. Yeah. One of the big incidents from the ATP Cup, just quickly, was Stefanos Tsitsipas. I know. Breaks his rackets. Yes. And the piece of it goes into the arm of his dad, yes. Apostolos, who was sitting at the team bench. Yes. Mum comes down from the stands. Wasn't even part of the team bench. Mum comes down from the stands and <laughs> tells him off. I'm just surprised Leander Pays wasn't there to actually do it. I mean, Leander <laughs> seems to always be around for those type of moments in, in his final campaign here in 2020. Yeah, there was a couple of final campaigns uh, we know. Steve yes. Darcy is uh, one of those. And Brian's obviously, we know, going to be retiring at the US Open too. So right. there's a bit to look forward to on the... Well, not so much to look forward to, but we're going to be marking and commemorating the careers of some great players. I think it is something to look forward to, though. Um, in, in terms well, they're of... going to win the title. I reckon that they're going to do it. Really? I'm, I'm locking it in now. Okay. Brian Ryan Brothers, the last tournament, US Open, they're going to win it. Okay, I will take that bet. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will take the field, Peter. Okay. Um, I, I think it is, though, you know, you talk about the Bryan Brothers, just what an incredible career, what they've done for the sport uh, on the double side over many years. I'm looking forward to this, to see them get honored appropriately yes. um, from tournament to tournament, especially in the States, um, what they've meant to the sport there. So I, I think it is something to look forward to. Leander Pays, I mentioned, it's his yeah. final year as well. What he's done for the sport in India. Um, there's just some fantastic players. To be able to celebrate them while they're still playing as opposed to just at the end of the year have that great moment in London where you had all of those retired players. Yeah, it was without, That was fantastic. But, yeah, to be able to celebrate them while they're still playing is important. Can I just double-check? Yes. The, the Bryan brothers are retiring at the US Open, right? Yeah. They're not going to... Say they're they're retiring. Then we'll pull out a montage package here, and then come back and play. Well, what if what if they're top eight? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I think they'll they'll play through that. Yeah, but, but not back here. Yeah, right. Like we're saying farewell. Yeah, this so right. we're a bit. Andy's not here though. I know, I know, but we're you know we're just a bit gun shy with that sort of thing. We just yeah, need to be tough. really careful with that. That but was tough last year. Yeah. There are some tournaments happening around uh, the place, close to Melbourne in Adelaide. The mm. Adelaide International is back on the calendar. It's great to see 
uh, Memorial Drive's got a new uh, sort of canopy roof over the top of it. Unfortunately, the top seed, Alex Dimonor, yeah. uh, withdrew from the tournament, who was the top seed going in. Joel Munard takes the lucky loser position there. But you've got Felix Azur, Aliasim. You've got Andre Rublev, Taylor Fritz, uh, who lost in the opening round to Sasha Bublik. Uh, PCB is there. You've got Riley Apelka, who lost to Pablo Cuevas. It's been rough for the Americans so far this it, year. It has. But it, look, it's a quality tournament. The other interesting thing uh, is that Leighton Hewitt's actually going to be playing in doubles yes. with Jordan Thompson. Speaking of guys who I thought retired <laughs> a few years ago, Leighton just seems to continuously be there. Uh, yep, so we'll see how that one uh, tracks, but it is good to see top tournament tennis there because they've had exhibitions for the last couple of years right. when they lost the tournament. So the fans better get behind it. And in Auckland, the traditional, uh, I call it the David Ferrer Cup because he won it that many <laughs> times. Uh, Fabio Fanini is the top seed there. Denis Shapovalov going over and playing. John Isner, Karen Hashinov, uh, H-squared, Hubert Hercatch is there. You've got Yannick Sinner, Benoit Pair. It's going to be a good first-round matchup. Radu Elbot, Moldova's finest uh, there. Our so there are some good, good fields in this uh, week before it all starts. Defending champion Tennis Sandgren uh, was playing wildcard Michael Venus, I think, as we were recording this. Uh, I assume he actually won against the double specialist. I'm, I'm going to make that assumption. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing, the, those fields. I mean, some of these lead-up tournaments in the weeks, you obviously have those moments where a, a guy like Alex Duminor decides he has to rest right before a Grand Slam. But some of these players wanting to get in one last tune-up before, before the Slam. And then we've got qualifying, of course, for the Australian Open, which is uh, not too far away. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of hot contests. Qualifying is often the most fascinating part of an event because you've got these players who are basically, some of them, playing for their careers. It's maybe something I shouldn't say, uh, considering we're going to be doing commentary, you and I, for, <laughs> for a few weeks here. But I, I look forward to the qualifying weeks just a little bit more. And maybe I'm biased with my work at the challenger level, but I, I think it is so desperate for some of these players in order to guarantee themselves that $50,000, $60,000 check um, and what it means to players who are at the challenger or ITF levels, um, the guarantees of that financial... Um, aspect I, I like it a little bit more it's desperate it's raw it's emotional um, and I think it's a, a really a good opportunity for fans if you're near one of the slams to come on those days where maybe you're going to watch at a discounted or free price amazing tennis it certainly is and uh once we do get to the main draw matches ao radio broadcasting going to be simulcast through atp tennis radio we can listen to all the commentary of the matches on rod Laver arena and some on the other courts right here on atp tennis radio thanks to ao radio whose coverage we are rebroadcasting so uh, very much looking forward to being a part of that now Absolutely. on our next podcast it's time for the annual time capsule Boy. now i've asked you I asked you before we, we started the podcast, have you turned your mind to this yet? And you said no. No. Can I just pick Novak for everything? Well, that's so, what everyone else does. I mean, that's... See, I tried to be different, but <laughs> yeah, I'm well, reviewing my strategy now. How did you last year, uh, Not Peter. good. No, no, no. Not good predictions-wise and everything else. Um, it, it's... I, I don't know that I've necessarily made any predictions yet because I, I, I'm, I'm such... I'm so bad with it. Uh, I, because then I feel this pressure of like, well, if my guy didn't win, you know, am I going to commentate because I, th I predicted Novak's going to win? All right. So what do you want me to predict here, Peter? Nothing. Nothing. I want you to put it in written form because I'll read it okay. out in our next podcast. All right. You got time to think about it. You got a, a whole. You have a list seven of questions days. for me, right? There is. Yes. So the hardworking producer and Arvin Palmer, our champion from two years running, actually our champion. 
He's so good. He's come up with a question. I can't reveal what it is okay. yet. You'll hear that on the next podcast. Okay. Uh, one, the, the we get to add a question in. Yeah. The winner, anyway. Uh, so basically, I'll be waiting to see what Arv does, and then I'll just be copying him. That seems to be the formula for how this works from now on. What I really could use from you, Peter, is just a list of your predictions first, so that I can see how opposite <laughs> I can pick, hey, hey, and just go from there. This year is my year. Really? This year is I my year. I feel like you told me that last year, too. <laughs> no, I had a good feeling about last year. <laughs> Look what happens. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. All right, we've got to finish this podcast now. Okay. Uh, you've got a coffee cast to do. I do. I'm, I Apparently, I have to go to Noah Rubin's apartment right now. Oh, lovely. Lucky you. I guess. I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll let you know once I see the apartment. Well, if you make it back, yes. um, we look forward to having you, of course, part of the World Feed team on for the Australian Open. We look forward to your reporting work on ATP Tennis Radio. Excited for it this year. Yep. Starting off in Miami. Yes. Uh, and then some hopefully some commentary work towards the back end of the year as well. And enjoy the coffee. Thank you, Peter. I always do here in Melbourne. That's what it's all about, really. And that's it for this week. But there's plenty of tennis to come here on ATP Tennis Radio. We've got all the Masters 1000 events covered, plus selected 500s, the next-gen finals, Nito ATP Finals, exclusive interviews, and of course the podcast. Next week, I'll be joined by Gigi Salmon and Chris Bowers to go through said time capsule, the official famous ATP Tennis Radio time capsule questions, as well as giving you our thoughts ahead of the first Grand Slam of the year, which of course ATP Tennis Radio is simulcasting thanks to AO Radio. Until then, enjoy the tennis. If you like this podcast, Please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review.